this morning. What we do is we go through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. We're in 2 Corinthians. We take a break on Advent, and then we take two Sundays at the beginning of the year. And this is the second. To think about who we are, what we're doing, in light of this incredible message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this is very much a part two. If you missed last week, you'll, you may miss a little bit of what drives this, which was our direction last week. Our direction, because we have this incredible truth and the way to think about the message of the scriptures is that Jesus Christ came down to us. And that's great news. It's not us climbing to get to him, to try and get up so we can, we can be worthy of him. He came and his message incredibly, was that he died for us and rose again. And we have that promise to, united with him, we will be resurrected though death comes. It's incredible, wonderful truth. It's, it's amazing. But for many of us in this room, because you've been with us for a while, that's not new news. In fact, that becomes a little passe. I've heard this already. But you know we do the same thing every Sunday. We talk about the death of Jesus for us. We talk about how it's not us, but Jesus. We do all these things. So how, how do I, I... I get that that's true. But what does it actually mean for us? What does it mean for our fellowship? For this body. The body of Christ that's gathered here. And then because there's some very big implications about how you and I will think about church, about what it means to come on Sundays, you know, what our expectations will be, how we will live even because of this incredible news. You might call this a transformation by renewing of your mind about the gospel. What is that transformation? How do I think differently? What does it look like? So join me. You know, I'd like to highlight a bit about how I was raised. Maybe you too. What I heard in Sunday school and from the pulpit and from the world in general about what Christianity was. And it's easy to lose your way. Easy to go down and this is what I, I think. And honestly, a, a part of this is, is for my own kids who I, I see and the kids around the church that I see. And there's a church attendance goes down and you see it. And, and that's a little bit because church is boring, man. You come and you kind of do the same thing and you kind of read the Bible and the Bible's awesome and God's not boring, but sometimes I feel like church becomes a little bit like, I've heard this already, I kind of know already. Let's, where's the football game? So what, why? Why does it go there? Well, I think because we have the message that we, we miss. Part of it anyway, part of it's our flesh, but part of it is we lose our way. So I wanted just to highlight that by looking at a couple. I don't know if you've ever said, hey, the church is like this. Have you ever heard that before? And different images. One of them that I grabbed, watch out, you guys. The church is not a country club. You heard that one? Church is a club. The idea that we're a club. Big deal, right? The, the, this whole idea of many pastors, you take pains to make sure that we don't think of church as a country club. You know, some elite membership, some unwelcoming, it's for me and my friends, it's somehow exclusive. But, but so often church kind of seems that way. I mean, there's those guys over there and they're all friends and there's me and I, I don't know how to really engage or interact and I don't know them, but they all sure seem to know each other. I try then to try and fit in, you know? I try and make it so that I can, 
I can be a part of that. And, and, and I start like putting on a, a show. I start making a mask. I try to live up to what other people's expectations are. That's, that becomes what I think church is. You know, I'm fine. You're fine. It's pretty good big pushback at that in evangelical circles, but we can't seem to get away from it, church, that way. But if you go down there, it leads towards fakery and wrongness. So that's not a good image. Most people, yeah, yeah, church, not country club. How about, how about this, though? Church is a lighthouse. You say church is a lighthouse because city on a hill, a light that can't be hidden, the salt of the earth. So, so we are a lighthouse that we would do good, good deeds, you know. And when we do good deeds, people say, wow, I want to be a part of that ministry, that, that group, that's a cool group. And so they want to come. It's an attractive model of getting people to Jesus by the good things you do. What do you think? Well, that sounds way better than a country club, Dex. Yeah, but what do you think based on what we talked about our direction was last week? Our direction is Jesus comes for what? For us. Man, I want to do good works. I encourage you to do good works. Go do good works. But the reality is the message maybe would be stronger even if you understand what the wonderful message of the gospel you've received, which is what? Forgiveness. Of what? Of my good works? <laughs> no, no, of your sin. Right? So, so maybe there's something there. I mean, that's, that's maybe not the best image to think of. What we're trying to do is to be a shining light because then I've got to try and be the shining light. And that means I'm trying to be something awesome. And, and, and me, me, I'm working on who? Me. Maybe I don't like that image. Well, find me an image you do like that. Okay, 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 okay. I got one. Surely you've heard of this one. The church is a hospital. Oh, finally. Not no country club. Man, I get how the life, but a hospital, you know, where, where we take sick people and we make them well. We take sick. Wait a minute. The last time I looked, Jesus, I mean, he healed some sick people as a sign to his messiahship, but his whole message was that you're going to die. But I'm trying to make people well, I'm not sure the metaphor goes. Do you? I mean, the whole we gather, we're sort of the strong, and we gather, gather the sick, and we make them better. We nurse people back to health. We, we the able, make other people able. Like, I'm able to make sure that I don't look at the wrong picture on the Internet, so I'm going to help someone else not look at the wrong picture on the Internet, and we together will be stronger and marching and climbing the ladder to God. Uh-oh. That's what we talked about last week. We have that, that, that's a dead end. Oh, man. Where do I find? Wait a minute, I got one. The gym. <clears throat> Finally, <laughs> the church is where you come to work out. Church is where you come to worship and exercise that heart muscle so that you're stronger for G. Wait a minute. I can't seem to get off this theme. I can't get, oh, no, don't go back to the hospital. I can't get off this theme, right? The church, the church is where you, you work out, you strengthen spiritual muscles so you're ready to serve. It's where you get kicked in the butt, right? In fact, I have, I have people, man, thanks for the message, Pastor. It really kicked me in the butt. I wasn't trying to kick you in the butt. I was trying to get, you know, convict you so that you'll get stronger, so you exercise so that you're able. Able to do what exactly? What are you after, Right? Well, I want to be able to make good choices. 
when I'm out there in the world. Have you, have you heard that? I mean, there, there, there's lots of other images, of course. Have you heard church is the hands and feet of Jesus? Oh, maybe you heard this one. I heard this one the other day. The church is Jesus with skin on. That's kind of brutal. What if you're bad skin? And Jesus is leaking out. His body fluids are falling to the floor if you don't be good skin. What? Yeah, those are things to say what? Focus on you. Man, are you doing enough for Jesus? If you don't do it, nobody will. If there's no way for you to be like, like you got to work on yourself here, guys. I mean, some of the images maybe are silly. Jesus, the church is Jesus' sports team. Like Jesus is the quarterback, and he's back, and you're the wide receiver, and you got to in the throat. You got to be ready to catch. Church is a school. I've heard of Sunday school. I, I, there's some validity to these metaphors. I, we're going to return to them in a minute. I don't. I'm painting them this way because there's a particular problem in how we're prone to take them that's about our underlying assumptions that we talked about last week. Our direction, which is what? I die. My hope is that Jesus is going to resurrect me. The more honest I am about who I really am, which is crushed by the law, the more reality that I have about, about being real. You know what? There are things I hate about what's going on in my life. And, and, I, and I, oh, who will save me from this body of sin and death? Then I'm ready for the actual light of the good news, which is there's therefore now no condemnation in Jesus. I got great news, but I've twisted it. Whether I'm using the club as a negative image to push us to be more inclusive or the lighthouse using sort of personal goodness to be attractive to the world or the gym, I'm building myself up or the hospital, I, we're getting the sick people well. What, what is well? And for so many, you know, it's, it's just the same old message that every single religion you see out there is pushing. It's the same message that the, that the, that the health studio is pushing, that the, that the workplace is pushing, that everywhere. And, and so you wonder why church is boring. We're just building society. We're making things beautiful and better for everyone. We're improving life. And, 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 you know, you can say, well, Dak, speak for yourself. I don't find it boring. Well, I'm actually not really speaking for myself because I don't find it boring. But I get to talk. Let listen to myself talk. <laughs> oh, you guys have to listen to me. <laughs> oh, it's okay if you find it boring. I get it, right? If you only hear what you're to do and you think that these are the instructions for you to do it, it will eventually be boring because every single person in the world is after that. My kids' public school is after that. They are learning important facts and concepts from books. They uniformly, my kids uniformly, sorry kids, I usually don't mention you, they think it's boring. They don't want to be there. So to come to church is increasingly a chore and not really an interest for people because you can read a book on parenting. You can listen to a sermon online. You can play a worship CD. What you need to come in and be here for One of the reasons it's boring is it's ineffectual. It's become a primary place for me to do something for God or for myself. It's about what I do. So I come and worship. I come and do something. Come and hear what it is you're to do and how you're to be. And it ends there. Church is duty. So you say, well, I'll wake up on Sunday for my duty. 
Okay, I'm painting the picture for you. So what keeps church from being boring? What about these metaphors do I want to move and still reclaim if I can? But, but I want to... Church ought to be about being astonished. I want to say that again. Church ought to be about being astonished. Why? Because I believe church is where the word of God goes out, whether it's in preaching or, or, in, or in the sacraments, the ordinances, the, the things we do to image this amazing word of God for us. It's not me. It's the Bible. It's the actual message. It's so astonishing. This is what I mean when I say I want us to encounter Jesus. I hope you would encounter Jesus in this place. I mean, how often do you come to church and open your Bible and your focus is directed to what you should be doing and, and, and you should be improving and what direction you should take with daily life decisions? How often do you actually come to church looking for that and the guy up front doesn't give it to you, so then it's like, well, you know, whatever, I'll go find it somewhere else. Another input on behavior and you go about your day. Church ought not ever be that way. Right? We gather because we're told to, That sounds really great. This is not the Jesus of the Bible. He's presented as the word who became flesh. He's the very representation of God. And he was over and over and over astonishing. Why do I say that? Because that's the word the Bible uses. That, that's the word the Bible uses. Over and over, people who heard him were shocked because he wasn't like the teachers of the day. Because he wasn't like the religious teaching that they were hearing. Because he was different. And he said it strongly. What do I mean? Well, I'll run you through a couple. Let's just run through a couple in Matthew. There's just Matthew's versions. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. What teachings were? This is called the Sermon on the Mount. We may go, I was reading the Sermon on the Mount this week. It's astonishing. It's so different that they were like astonished. They're not astonished because he healed the sick necessarily. Oh, they're astonished at what he said. He said that? Whoa. Right? Let's, let's, let's keep going. Matthew 13, and coming into his hometown... He taught them in their synagogue so that they were bored. No, they were astonished. They said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Whoa, where, where, what, what's coming out of his mouth and what he's doing is so different. Matthew 19. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. Who then could be saved? What are they doing? Because Jesus just said, right, that this is... You know the passage. He just came off saying, be perfect as my heavenly father's perfect. And then he said, and, and, and in case you didn't catch that I'm not talking like try, it's harder for someone to go through the eye of a needle, a camel, forget a person, a camel to get through the needle's eye than for you to go to heaven. And they were astonished. What's our problem? That doesn't astonish us. Let me show you the CGI thing of this camel becoming really skinny, and then we'll get it through that eye of the needle. And go, oh, that's kind of cool graphic. What? This is amazing. How in the world will you go to heaven? 
You got to be perfect. Nobody goes. A camel through the eye of the needle. And like, whoa, how can anyone go? They're astonished. Or here's not just the disciples and the crowds heard it. They're astonished at his teaching. I just I wanted to make sure you see this is the word Matthew uses over and over. You know, he's using it when the, the people are responding, not necessarily and not only to the miracles of Jesus, which are astonishing, but then what he says, his message, it's different. There's something going on. And it's not just Matthew. These are Matthews, but they're in every single gospel. Here's one from Luke just to do one. They were all astonished at the majesty of God, what Jesus said. While they're all marveling at everything he was doing, Jesus is also talking. You see the whole frame of what is going on, the whole encounter that people have, is they're astonished at this Jesus. Are you? It's not something you can just do, right? This is just describing something. You know, the blind man is touched and, and he sees Lazarus comes forth from the dead. The woman touches his hem and is healed. But not just those, right? People are made of this teaching because it's so different. The outcast is accepted. Zacchaeus, <laughs> Jesus goes, hey, Zacchaeus, get out of my tree. I, I got to eat your house today. Whoa. I don't even know his name. Sabbath is for man, not man for the Sabbath. He takes assumptions and he turns them upside down. If you think he's just affirming your assumptions, that's boring. I just come to church for people to like affirm what I already know. You don't know that much. Neither do I. (laughs) What's astonishing? That you're his forever. Here are all the duties and rules and obligations. no. Although, you know what? They're there. Don't let somebody tell you there's not obligations for you in the Bible. This has so many obligations for you. And you know what the message is? You fail. You don't do what God says you must do. That's a message. Right? Jesus, the astonishing Jesus, he shows us. He says, you hate grace, he says. He did it with a story, an astonishing story of how these ta- uh, workers in a vineyard, some people work early, some people work late. The late guys got a full day's wage. The, the, the early guys, so did they. They're so mad at grace. That's me. Or Jesus saying, you know what? You don't like how God works. The parable of the talents, he gives some people a lot, some people a little, and, and, then, and then the one guy buries it because I know you're a God that's going like, to have a, a, an accounting of me and I'm going to at least give you back the money you gave me. You hard master. Uh, That's not God's heart. He adores people. You don't love, and Jesus gives this parable to the good Samaritan. That's an impossibility for humankind to love their enemies in such a way. I can try, but when the judgment comes, not my judgment, but God's, it says you don't do it. That's astonishing. And the reason why it's astonishing is the one speaking to you is your actual Savior. And he doesn't just say, you're this way and I'll help you. He says, you're this way and I'm going to go die on a cross for you. My blood will be shed for you forever. You will be mine. Look to me and live. And he rose from the dead. It's astonishing. Your sin no longer keeps you from God. 
That is astonishing. You're a new creation in him forever because his savior has done it. He's got you every single moment in spite of your lying eyes, in spite of this world that wants to convince you. It's really up to you. It's not up to you because he has done it. It is finished. We've got that Greek word to tell us die. It's complete. It's done. Okay. It's usual for people to get astonished at this message when they come to the cross the first time. Oh, you remember when you got saved? Oh, the wonder. And then for it slowly to get leached away. How does it get leached away? Yes, Jesus, but. Don't forget all the commands. There's a lot of things you've got to learn. You've got to do your part too. And we focused somewhat on that last week, right? You got on a plane. The plane isn't with one half of the engine you and one half of the engine Jesus. Oh, that plane doesn't fly. The plane is the plane. That's Jesus for you. And you're on it. And there's no way you should be 20,000 feet in the air. There's no way. You even don't know. You're, I, maybe you are an aerospace engineer, but I'm not. I don't even know how the whole thing works. You guys ever think about how does the plane take off? I know you can figure it out. But to the person over here, I have no idea. Somehow it takes up speed and takes off, and it's in the air. Oh, my goodness, it's astonishing. Think if you took one of my guys from Africa and never been to an airport before and don't know electricity, and you, and you put them on a plane. That's us? Oh, my goodness. The earth's down there. What's that called? Astonishment. You get that. You get Christ for you. It's so astonishing. The difficulty is staying amazed because we're a jaded people. We're still on the plane, but we knew that yesterday. So what's new today? We'll stop. Come back to this. We're on the plane. I think the church is about me coming and giving worship glory to God. You think he doesn't have all the glory he ever wants and needs? You got some in your back pocket to lay on him? Let me give you my glory, Jesus. No, it's not about you. I'm Because I'm astonished that he's for me. Of course I worship. I give him everything. Why? Because he's given me more than I can ever, ever, ever imagine. That, that's where you are, right? Maybe you need more astonishment. Maybe you need to read your Bible more. <laughs> Looking for astonishment. You know. Everybody knows John 3.16. Do you know John 3.15? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus became a serpent, like the source of the plague. And if you just look at it, this is astonishing. And our, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know. I, I look at us, and man, this body is getting old, and people getting cancer, and I go, ah. Oh. We're just going down, and we are. And then I think, but what am I going to be like? You know that verse in the Bible? It's one of my favorites, 1 John 3. 1 John 3 says, Beloved, we're God's children now. And what we will be hasn't appeared. We haven't seen it, you guys. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we'll see him as he is. You know what I'm going to say, right? That's astonishing! 
You're going to be like Jesus. It's going to happen when you see him. Not now. You're not like Jesus in this way right now. Have you seen him like he is yet? No. I live by faith. I live by what I don't see. I have hope. It's an assurance. It's not like this wish. But I'll tell you what, I don't see it yet or else I wouldn't have faith. But I do have faith that this is true and it's downright astonishing for you and for me. So can we, in our direction of death to life, of getting on the plane, of not climbing the ladder, uh, on that word hitting us again, can we reframe our fellowship, these images, to pull them the right direction? Because the problem how I did it for you earlier was a problem of framing, not a problem of the images. Let me show you. Let's reframe church a bit. Just for a minute. So the first one, we're a lighthouse, right? This is not with personal performance to bring people to Jesus, but we're shining Christ, right? We shine out this incredible truth that in spite of this carcass, Jesus loves. It's a statement of truth. It's not a call to action. It's a statement of, do you realize forgiveness is here? Forgiveness has come in in, in your life. Not, Not, hey, come to church because it'll make you a better parent. Not come to church because it'll make you a better teacher. It may do all those things. Great, fabulous. But the reason for church is you're forgiven. Oh my. It's astonishing. Have you heard the news? Come all who will. We are salt and light precisely because it is not us, but the Holy Spirit who shines, and we know it. It's not me. Boy, if you really say, Dax, you're such a light for Jesus. No. Stop, I will kick you. Not between the legs. No, no, no. No, no, I won't literally kick you. But it's not the truth, right? It's not you're the light. Like somehow, oh, God has placed you. Remember we did this last week. God didn't place you in the gym polishing room and turn the little dial so that you get buffed up and strong. God crushes you. You die. That's the message of the Bible. the, The law comes, the right and good law, not the bad law. It's good. And it says this is what the standard is, and you don't meet it. And the whole message is that I have turned from strong Dax and I've turned to needy Dax who receives Jesus. I got great light for you. His name's Jesus of Nazareth. He's God's son and he came for you and me. Would you receive him? Would you trust him? He forgives. Astonishing. So yeah, lighthouse, you bet. Just, just get the light right, right? I, I, I got to get that right. Okay, what about the club? That was the bad thing, right? We can't be, we're not a co- You guys do realize we are the most exclusive club there is. I'm not condoning clicks. We're not a click. But I'll tell you what. What does Jesus say about the door? It is wide and everyone gets in. No! It's narrow. You guys, just by opening your eyes and the Spirit opening you to the wonder of Jesus, you have joined the most amazing club that there exists on the entire, the, the, the club of the redeemed. Not everybody's going to heaven. Oh, I wish everybody was. 
Uh, not that I deserve it, and they don't. But 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 you're, to have your own, you've joined some. You're the people that trust in Jesus in this room are part of an amazing club, and you're part of it too. It's not like man, church not a country club. I'm gonna die. No 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 no. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'll tell you what. There is an element at which you should treasure every person in this room who's confessed Christ. When Paul gives all of his instructions about how church should work, it's all about these things called the one another's. What are the one another's? Christians. Why? They're in a club. What's the club? I trust Jesus. I don't always act right. I don't do things right. I sin a lot. I, but, but, I, but I'm in this amazing club. The law kills and Jesus brings life simply by looking at him, the serpent lifted up. You've done this too? That's your heart too? Well, welcome to the, welcome to the country club church because <laughs> we're all in the country club. That was the admission peace to get in the most amazing reality that you've ever known and the trouble is we we have trouble believing it so we try and make other things the marker not here reclaim that image i might be in club the only thing that keeps people from the door is that they won't turn to jesus i can't believe that we all have how great it is okay that's that image let's reclaim another one. Oh, the gym yeah Okay, the gym. Say, well, I come to church to work on my moral muscles so I'm stronger for Jesus. No, that was the image we're throwing away because the law crushes you. But what is it that we're supposed to be working on? And I'll tell you, this is why you get the same message a lot or you hear the same things a lot, the same themes from me because it's over and over. I gotta be true to this. What is it? What is this? This, this? The thing that you're working on is actually to continue to trust Christ. I am a bad, bad believer. I didn't come out right. But I am in myself. I, I, I'm totally clean in Christ, but I, I often don't trust that. And I judge other people and I judge myself and I fake it and I'm not transparent. And I, I do all these things. So I'm afraid of what people are going to think of me. So therefore, what does that mean? I'm worried about me and how many, so I'm working on all these things about me and I won't be really resting in the forgiveness that Christ has brought. I need you. I need communion, the reminder, the image. I need baptism and the, the reality that I have died and my life is hidden in Christ. I need these things over and over because I don't do it very well. That's, in essence, training. Right? We are at a gym, but what's the contents? Not you getting stronger muscles, never was. It's not you getting stronger moral muscles, never is. The law doesn't suddenly become your friend. It still accuses you, and yet the depth of my trust, my growth, my, my growth in dependence on Christ. How <laughs> I want you that to get bigger, right? That, that's what I want. How can I say that? Because the Bible talks about striving. Have you heard about that? The Bible, New Testament, Paul talks about striving. He says, you've got to strive. You've got to run like an athlete. You've got to do these things. Well, but, 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 but so we immediately go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to work on being the best parent I can. No. Sorry, I'm a parent, so I bring that example The striving, let me just run them through. I won't put them all up on the screen or move it along, but I'll tell you what. The striving is to believe the word that you hear of forgiveness. Take it in and love the amazing truth that God eternal is personally for you. So Jesus talks in Luke 13 about striving to enter the narrow gate. What's that? Trusting Jesus. 
Philippians, Paul talks in chapter one about striving for what? The faith of the gospel. I'm gonna strive to be the best, strongest law keep. No, you're striving for trusting the good news. I don't trust it very well. Come help. I'll have, let's, that's why we're here. So, to, to, or striving in Hebrews 4 to enter that rest. What's the rest? Well, Jesus is our sabbatismos, says the writer of Hebrews in chapter 4. It's Christ. We don't naturally. We, we kind of hear it. We get it. The Holy Spirit works in us. We have this new little heart that, 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 that's the reflective reality of the new birth. And, and the it, reality is it's all Christ and I don't trust it very well. And so sure, time, life, the crushing of life, and finally death, which is all we bring, and then Jesus resurrects us, but we can grow in our dependence of that. The rest that knows that Jesus has me every moment. Or in 1 Corinthians 9, the running for the prize. What's the prize? The upward call of Christ. He will call me, he who came down, and I will rise. It's not a moral statement. That's a trusting in the salvation that Jesus brings. That's what we're doing, right? Okay, all of it, right? Help, it's you're helping yourself and other people to wrap your mind around astonishment that he's for you. It's not a duty, it's a reality. Be caught in it. There's another way, I love the gym. I, I don't wanna keep playing with images so much, but, but I'll tell you the gym. I read an article on the Gospel Coalition this last week and the article was how I like the gym more than church and I, I was really interested. Why? Is that they like the weights or what? No, they love that people just talk about life. I felt like at church, I go and I sit and I listen and then I get up and I leave. And if I see people, I'm like, I'm good, I'm fine. But at the gym, you know, half of it, I watch people do this all the time. They go to the gym and, you know, really the exercises take about five minutes, but they're there for three hours. Why? They're just chatting, like real life. Hey, how's your day? What's going on with you? How do, like there's actual like life interaction going on more, more easily, not like stiff, hello, I am Christian. I am wearing good shirt today. How are you? Blessings. Hello, I am Christian. No, 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 wait a minute. Be yourself. Talk a little. Be life. That's like, hey, that's what the church should be, right? We're the the club. We're the the people who actually, Jesus has opened their eyes to the wonder of forgiveness. Hey, live life. Not about you. I think that's good. You know, all of these, whether it's the gym or the club or or the hospital. Well, the hospital. It was me sad that I tried to tear down the hospital image because my main beef with being a hospital image for the church is that we die. We don't get healed. And I, I don't mean that God doesn't heal. He does. That God doesn't work through prayer to, to, to cure people of cancer, to do all these amazing things. He does. Holy Spirit's amazing. He doesn't promise any of that. But I know one thing about everybody in here, unless Jesus comes back, we are all going to die. That's the will of God for you. And then I know with all of my heart that you will be resurrected. So when you talk about the hospital, I want to comfort people as they die. I'd rather that we use the image of hospice. I'm with you guys. Hospice is wonderful. It's palliative care. It's like, it's like hey, may, may, may I may I ease your experience here the best I can because I know you're dying and I know it's coming. I don't know when, but, but, but you know what? I'm with you. And I want to speak truth to you and peace to you and reality to you that is not over and God has you every single moment and he will ri- raise you from the dead.
It's coming. It's coming. This is our great hope, and the great hope for my dad who died, or the great hope for my mother-in-law who died, or my great hope for every single person I meet. And, 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 and we fight against it by saying, no, I will be strong. I will be alive. I will go. No, 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 that's our culture. That, that's our world that says youth is to be run after, and youth and strength and, and all that stuff is really what we're after, and perfection is what we're, we're fighting. No, I am part of this club that says you are crushed and a sinner and not who you should be, but you've got the best light ever that you're forgiven. And that forgiveness includes the promise that you will be with him and you will be like him because you'll see him as he is. That's First John 3. So hospital, yeah, man, working it, be a nurse, but, but you're, you're helping people die is the thing. The life and death that Jesus brings okay we, we could do more images there's there's great images you can continue to think about that are biblical a body we read a little about about that in ephesians chapter four you could be the toenail so cool i've always thought i was the fingernail <laughs> i'm this pinky little piece right here you know it breaks off a lot i'm not very useful but you know what god uses all of us God uses you. It's so amazing. The Holy Spirit will use you. It's not about how qualified you are. Man, I don't like to speak up front. No, there's so many things. The body, go for it. Amazing. But you know, the, the person that's actually in charge and, and will get you to where you're supposed to be and will actually move you as you're supposed to move is the head. His name's Jesus. He does it. That's the whole message of Ephesians. Okay, there's more. Dear people, Christ has made us his. He is one flesh with us by his action. Not ours. The most incredible news ever, ever, ever. It will happen because he said so. It's already sure by promise. It's astonishing. God says this. He works at the level of the heart. He uses the word and the ordinances to, he set up to bring us back over and over to this ground. And we stand here saying, yes, I know the direction because the Bible has shown me, because the Holy Spirit has, has, has testified and comforted in my heart. And I trust this Jesus and I want him to use me as he will. And this is the direction we go. He uses the body. That includes cooking cookies. That includes chatting at work. That includes serving all over. That's not the goal. That's the fruit of what's happened as I live in this direction of I, I, I'm forgiven. And mostly we help each other, remind each other that this is true. This, this word is true. That's what we're doing. It's the basis of our church. Unity around this, which is community. Your unity in that. Okay. Practically, let me just say, before I end, let me just say practically, that means you say, I stole this. I cheated on my taxes. I was unfaithful to my spouse. I, didn't, I don't eat like I should eat. All, you can say all of that, right? My response is, what else you got? I got something astonishing for you. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. In Christ, by him, in what he's done. Oh, the wonder, right? We are in a room of celebration even as we die from our own sin because of the promise of resurrection. I, I don't have to hear fake news of stronger life here. That's the real fake news. Okay, I get to hear the true news of resurrection in Christ.
don't go back to the world. Don't be taken back there because not only is it wrong, I'll tell you at the end of the day, it's boring. That's the message everywhere. That's Buddha's eight steps. That's the Hindu Dharma. That, that, that's all these things that have really nothing to do at all with the message of the cross, which is Christ for you, the hope of glory. I'd like to end with Martin Luther who started the Reformation and he wrote this in the 1500s, it's no less true today. In our day, he said, <laughs> 1520, in our day, <laughs> we are taught by the doctrine of men to seek nothing but merits, rewards, things that are ours. Of Christ, we have made only a taskmaster far harsher than Moses. 500 years ago, doing the same thing, and this is how the devil works. Christ is not a taskmaster. He is your savior, and you are forgiven. Would you read your Bible with me this year? Let's do it. Let's read the Bible together. Let's read for astonishment. Let's read to see what Jesus actually said, what he really did. Not what you should do, but what he's done. Oh, come, come to the astonishing trust that the one who actually raises you from the dead. Let me give you, just end with a couple astonishments that really astonish me. We're members of his body, it says. Can you really even begin to grasp that you are a member, you're part of the body of Christ, his body, not in some sort of like, nothing way, but actually his body. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh, like that united, that the God sees them as one. And then Paul says, right, this mystery is profound. This is amazing. This is astonishing. And I am saying it refers to Christ and the church. Jesus, King of heaven, united to us. This is astonishing. Would you let go of this, this, this incredibly damaged, banal, and honestly boring message of self-improvement and come to astonishing trust, the one who actually raises you from the dead and unites him to yourself, unites you and me? Okay, I, you want to say no and say, well, I, I, I know, Dax, I, I don't say no. No, but your no comes like this. I'll be done. No comes like this. Yes, but. Yes, Jesus is great, but. You know what that actually is? That's a no. There is no but. You know what's the anti-but? Amen. Yes, and so be it. Yes, and amen. Not yes, yes, but is no. But the Bible says, right? What does it say? For all the promises of God find their yes in him. And it says, that is why through him we utter our but. No, 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 no. We utter our amen to God for his glory. Truly, so be it. Be amazed with me, church, in where our direction takes us, which is into the wonder of the promise of Jesus Christ for us. Oh, yes and amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the wonder of, of what you've done for us, of the message of this word. And Lord, as we go through it, 
more slowly. And as we get to dwell, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts to produce the fruit that you would desire there to be. Lord, help us to be real. Help us to be people who are with each other. Lord, we're so grateful for the people in this room that you've given to sharpen us and be with us and remind us of forgiveness and the wonder of your cross. Lord, we fail, but we cling to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we're forgiven by all that you have done for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.